Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm going to be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. And the Bible says, King James Version, I'm going to read this um, with what's left of my voice in the message version. Endings are better than beginnings. Sticking to it is better than standing out. Sticking to it is better than standing out. Over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the idea. Hello, my name is Revival. Hello, my name is Revival. Let's pray. Um, Father, I love you. And I thank you, Lord God, for this community, Lord, of believers that you call Greater Church. I thank you for the kingdom of God. Father, we're many. Father, we, we talk about you. We live for you. We give for you. We serve for you. We pray to you. We believe in you. And Father, I pray that that person, that thing that we're praying to and believing that we have given our life to would find itself here. Holy Spirit, engulf us, fill us, teach us, open our ears, use my words, Lord. Let it be you at the end of the day that receives the glory, Father. Lord, we thank you for who you are and everything you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus all over this place? Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. I love y'all so much. I want you to write this down because this is this has been, I think, one of my life. Uh, it's a line that has literally dictated my life forever. And here it is. I want you to write this down. The bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. The bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. The reason why I wrote this verse or why I read this verse at the very beginning, it says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Endings are better than beginnings because beginnings are hard. Beginnings are every idea that you've ever had. The beginning was the worst part. You forgot about the song. You've started to do that project in your backyard and husbands, look at me. Don't look at your wife. Look at me. You told her you were going to do that and you haven't done it and you started it and you started excited. You were like, I'm going to kill this thing. And it's been about four months, but that's not neither here nor there. And babe, don't be amening on the line. Okay. Don't do that on Facebook. Don't be putting no amen on there. Um, embarrass your man of God. Uh, but yo, it's, it's always the beginning is always the hardest, but the bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. Uh, my voice is gone uh, because it's my second service preaching, but I was actually preaching at a camp. Um, and I, I have been going to that camp for over 10 years. And I remember um, one specific, this was the first time I was doing music at the time. And this was the first time that I was ever going to be able to perform in front of a big crowd. And there's thousands of students that go there, about a thousand students, they go to this camp every single year. And I was excited because this was my first big break. I was going to be famous. You know, everybody's going to hear me on stage and they were going to be like, oh my God, come to my church, minister to my students. And I was going to be on TBN and MTV, BT. Like, it was it. Like, I was like, this is it. This is the best thing ever. We used to torture the kids. Like, if you ever been to any type of camp, especially like any type of like, I, I, just the camp, um, we torture the students. The way we torture them is that we play games that are really, really bad. So, y'all remember, y'all remember Fear Factor? Remember Fear Factor? All four of y'all? Fear Factor used to be this, this game that if you, you would eat something, and then if you, the eyeballs of a, of a lamb, then you would eat cow guts. Evita would have loved it. It would have been the best thing ever. Um, chicken feet. 
You know what I mean? Like you would dive into cockroaches. That's Allison's favorite one. You dive into cockroaches. Oh, they put worms all on you. I mean, disgusting. Uh, you, thank you for joining Greater Church today, y'all. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. Disgusting stuff. So we do that to the kids because we're torturing them. They're high school students and we were, you know, it's camp. And we, on this particular camp, we had a, a kiddie pool. So think about like a kiddie pool, like a little round three by three kiddie pool. Inside of it, we had fish heads. Um, we had dead sardines. We had spoiled milk. We had, uh, we had all type of like, um, uh, uh, dirt, uh, mayonnaise, hot sauce. I mean, just, just, just think about the nastiest thing you could think of and then think about it. And then we were trying to be safe because we didn't want another children to get hurt. So we put a table right over it, right? So like, like the cover, we covered the pool and it had like a little cover just, you know, so the student wouldn't drown. The idea was that when we took the cover off, they would put their head in and you know how you bob for apples uh, and you get the apple? No, this wasn't apples. You had to bob for a key. So you had to go deep and look for it and get this tiny little key and get the key and get it out. So you would die in the midst of sardine fishes. Um, well, we had this in our basketball gym and we were playing football in the basketball gym because that's what you do. While other people are playing basketball, you play football. So, um, and at this time I was athletic, you know what I mean? I had like my muscle in different places. Now my muscles in one spot, easy to maintain. But at this time I was good. And before there was ever OBJ, it was Chino. And I remember I would catch the ball with one hand, right? Boom, every time, like it was just, it's my thing. It's still my thing. Um, and this particular moment when I went to catch the ball, it's like the devil knocked it out of my hand. Doom, oh, the ball fell. I missed it, but it was the devil. And so it came out of my hand and it literally landed on my head. It was like Acts chapter two. It was like tongues of fire on my head. I, I'm not even making this up. All in the air. This, what I'm about to tell you happened in a matter of like 0.001 second of a fraction of a second. But I was in the air, the ball's in my head. And then all of a sudden the ball comes out and I, I'm able to jump to catch it. So I jump a second time. Concentration, baby. I'm able to jump the second time and I catch the ball. Well, when I catch the ball the second time, everybody's screaming. Yeah! I thought, this is it. I won the Super Bowl. Like, bro, you don't understand. In my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm buying a new Ferrari. Like, dude, I'm the man. You mean, like, it was it. It was just, I was just, I was in the zone. Felt like my hair was flowing in the wind. I was just like, caught the ball. And then I realized why they were yelling. Because when I landed, I landed square in the middle of the kiddie pool. The kiddie pool bust. Boom! Everywhere. This was the type of gymnasium that it wasn't a rubber floor. It was rubber tiles. So all the stank was getting inside of the rubber tiles. So here it is. I'm supposed to be doing music and ministering unto the Lord, hallelujah, glory God, in about 20 minutes. But now I'm here on my hands and knees scrubbing and taking fishes out of from under it and like cleaning all this stuff. And in my mind, I was like, Chino, you're an idiot. You always mess everything up. This is what you do. This is who you are, bro. You're such a screw up. Like every single time though, you get all these opportunities and you always blow them. You're always going to be the same person. And the ruminating self-talk just was killing me in my head. I'm like, you're, you're an idiot, dog. You always do the same thing and you're going to always do it. You're never going to amount to nothing. And all of this stuff is running in my head while I'm sitting there cleaning all this fish stuff. And I'm like, I screwed it up. I was going to go perform. I was going to do music. All these youth pastors are going to bite me. None of that's going to happen. And while I'm doing that, I get a text message. And in the midst of my stank, I look at it, I look at the text message. It was the pastor who was leading that entire camp. His name was Mark Vega, one of my dearest friends. And he texts me, he says, I need you on stage now. And I was like, what? And I write him back, dude, I, I messed up. I broke the kiddie pool. I'm here cleaning. And he responds with me, literally. I can show you the text. I should have took a screenshot and showed it to you. He responds to me, five minutes. That's all he wrote. 
Dude, I remember. I did what you did when you were in high school. Some of y'all high school students are doing now. You know when you had to catch the bus at 7.30 and you got up at 7.20 and you barely threw some Colgate in your mouth and you ran out the door? You were stank. You know you ain't take a shower the day before, but you threw deodorant. That's all you need. I just need some roll-on and I'm good to go. No, you stank. But you late. And so I ran in. and didn't take a shower. I didn't even put the deodorant on. I just changed my clothes, put on my clothes, and ran beeline straight to the... As soon as I, I... Literally, as I walk in, it was like... They handed me the microphone, and I'm on stage. Yo, what's up, FNDK? And, I'm, and I, I did what I was supposed to do. And then, you know, amazing service. And then after the service was finished, we had an altar filled with students. And it, this happened this Sunday. Uh, yesterday, we were there, and it was just beautiful to watch an altar filled with students, man. It was like 700 students that came up and responded to the gospel. And, man, it was, I mean, beautiful. And as I'm, as I'm sitting there, this was 13 years ago, I'm praying for students. And then, I'm sorry for those of you that are watching online in just a second. Um, come to church, you'll see this better. But I was standing probably right here. So imagine there's 700 students all in the altar. The stage is right there. And I'm standing, probably standing stage right, house left. And I'm standing right here. And as I'm standing right here, the Lord begins to call me and tell me, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. And the Lord begins to speak to me. And as he's talking to me, I'm laughing because I'm like, dog, you're a screw up. You messed everything up, but God still uses you. See, when I did it on my own, I was always, that ruminating talk used to result in me messing it up again. But here with God, he was eliminating the ruminating talk, which I still have it sometimes, but God was eliminating it and replacing it with his truth. Because see, our flesh is always going to condemn. God is always going to convict, but it's always going to produce life. And so God was speaking life and then somebody came and told me, this is what God wants you to do and you're going to do this. And smelling like fish, screwing it all up, I'm laughing and I'm like, wow. From that moment forward, I traveled the country. I was able to go from church to church, even different countries to go minister and to do the work that God called me to be as an evangelist. I did music. I did so many. We were doing up to six to seven concerts in a weekend of all the stuff that God did and it began there. But can I tell you, the bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. See, the enemy wanted to stop me at that very moment, but he couldn't. The enemy wanted to stop me when my mom was pregnant with me and she had had already 12 abortions. And when she went to have another abortion, the doctor told her, you're too far along and you can't eliminate him. Why? Because the enemy wanted to kill me at the very beginning. It's always at the beginning of a thing that you always see the most opposition, whether in relationships, whether it's a job. I'm trying to give you some context as to why your relationship was so hard at the beginning. I'm trying to give you some context as to why you hated your job when you first got there. I'm trying to give you some context as to when you started your business, why at the beginning you received so much opposition. Because the bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. I can show you this in scripture. We are in the midst of a reset. I mean, personally, as Greater Church, this message is something that God gave me and gave to our team. But right now, we're in a reset. We're starting a brand new church. We're entering a brand new season of Greater Church. We have a building. It's a beginning, right? And remember, the bigger the impact, the bigger the attack, remember? So here it is. At the beginning of, of a thing, it's always where you're going to receive the most opposition. Can I tell you that the church of Jesus Christ is under the most opposition right now than ever? Why? Because there's a reset. COVID has made some things change and we're not doing things as normal. There are churches that are still watching online. We have several of our friends, brothers and sisters who are watching on a Sunday, Monday, Thursday that are still watching from home because of COVID. So this thing is real. It's changed the dynamic of how we live. It changes the dynamic of how we go to the doctors or we go to sports games. It's, it's changed us, but it's made a reset here where churches are no longer just impressing people with their lights. 
and with their smoke and with their sound. But churches are now leaning into the gifts of the spirit, the very thing they need, the sustenance to be able to produce disciples. So you're watching the words of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gifts, the revelation gifts, the inspiration gifts, the power gifts. You're starting to watch healings happen in churches because 90%, 90% of young adults right now are on a spiritual incline. Listen to me. 20-somethings to 30-somethings are on a spiritual incline. They're searching for spirituality. There's two things. The cool thing now is to say you got mental health issues. Like, and I don't speak against it. I know that mental health issues are real. And I know the depression, anxiety, these things are real. But it's become an identity and a culture now where people are just like, oh, I got mental health. You ain't got mental health. You just got an anger problem, bro. You did that. That wasn't trauma. That was you. But what we're doing is that we're identifying under something that God has given us freedom, but that's another story. But spirituality is on the incline, but church attendance is on a decline. So you got 90% of people searching for spiritual matters, but you got the church 40% less than it was three years ago. Why? Because the beginning of a thing is always going to be harder than the end of a thing. The bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. The church is just starting. We're just getting our legs up under us. We're moving away from the cute little churches. They come in for 30 minutes, you get your little sermon, you get your little three points and you go home and you keep doing it and you come back and you do your small groups. You're starting to get life impact and change. God is starting to do things. We're starting to get in communities. We're starting to do things. And as the church begins, it's going to receive impact. I'll show you in scripture. The Bible probably has not been offended, discredited more than it has in this season. This Bible, I mean, what it says about our life, the way that we live, about marriages, about life, about everything. This Bible right now is being drugged through the mud as something that's old. It's, it doesn't mean anything. This Bible has been, I mean, it's, it's being refuted in a way that has never been refuted. But this Bible is where I've seen people have, who have demons been set free. It's through this Bible that my entire life was changed, that I was a gang member my entire life. I hated people. I fought people. I hurt people. But it was the Bible that changed my heart when I was 19. And as I drove into it, now I bring life. I bring healing to people. It was the word of God that set people free. It was the word of God that I've seen people get healed. It was through the word of God. Not Chino constantly telling her, but through the word of God that my mom, who was in witchcraft for 40-something years of her life, who hated anything that had to do with religion because her dad was a Jehovah Witness and used to abuse her, it was through the word of God that my mom gave her life to Jesus and was able to follow him until the day that she died this thing is powerful it's still strong it's still relevant it's still relevant this thing is split into two different areas it's split into the old testament and the new testament both of them were attacked heavily when they were first written the old testament was written by Moses or at least the first five books of the bible were written by Moses right and then the new testament was ushered and began by Jesus so here it is, the Old Testament, it was Moses. The New Testament is Jesus. The Jews don't believe in Jesus. They, Moses is their Jesus. So that's, I mean, that's how much of a prominent figure, that's how much of a, of a power and authoritative figure Moses was in the Old Testament and to the Jewish nation, even today. And then Jesus, obviously, as believers of Christ, we, we respect, we honor the Old Testament. We don't follow the law. We respect and honor the Jewish culture. But man, we're children of the Most High God. We are under Jesus, a once living sacrifice. He gave it. He paid the cross. He was the fulfillment for sin, but he was also the fulfillment for the law. We now have access to the throne of God without having to come with animal sacrifices, right? But this thing got split in two. Moses, watch this. Look at the similarities. Moses, when he began his ministry, Moses, at his birth, every child two years old and under was killed. Y'all remember Ten Commandments, Judson Hester, whatever, and then y'all remember the, the, the Prince of Egypt? 
Remember, all the kids were killed, and then they put them in a basket and threw them in the rain? Jesus, when he was born, all children two years old and under were killed as well. Herod wanted to kill everybody because the wise men came and told them, hey, Jesus is coming, and they wanted to kill every child. Same thing. Same thing. Moses ushered in a new way of doing things by way of the law, the tabernacle that he created. Jesus ushered away by not by fulfilling the law, but now he didn't make a tabernacle or a temple built by hands. No, the individuals who were around him, he tagged them and made each of them individuals temples that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that we are the temple of the living God and that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Not something that was made by hands, but something that God ordained. They were running the same rent at the very beginning and both of them received the same opposition. I'll show you. The children of Israel, 10 plagues. Y'all remember that? And then remember that they went through the dry land, the, the, the Red Sea opened up and they walked. There was Nemo and Ariel on the other side, not that Ariel, the one from Little Mermaid. And they walked through it. And then when they got to the other side, the waters fell on the Pharaoh. And then the Bible says that God told Moses, come up to the mountain. And in Mount Sinai, he spent 40 days with the Lord. The 10 commandments were written. In that time that he was spending with the Lord, the Bible says that the children of Israel were down at the base of the camp. I want you to write these things down. Three things that are going to happen at the very beginning. When greater church is about to enter into a promised land, we got a building, y'all. These are three things that are going to happen at the beginning of the season that I'm trying to forewarn you. I'm trying to give you a prophetic warning, but I don't want to give you just a prophetic warning that's going to scare you. I want to give you hope. But I want you to see this because not only is it part of the culture and the DNA of this church, but it's going to happen in your own personal life. Because when you go to begin something new or you enter into a new season, you're going to see these three things. I promise you, even when you look back, you'll see these three things. The Bible says that they were down there and that God says, yo, these people crazy. These little ratchets went down there and built an a, a idol. Here's what happens. The children of Israel say, Moses is gone. We don't know what happened to this guy. He abandoned us. And so we, we, need to, we need to make another God. And we need to worship something else. So number one, they were discouraged. Brought them all out, but they became discouraged. Where's this Moses guy? He's never coming back. He's never going to talk to me again. I'm never going to get the finances. This relationship is never going to be mended. I'm never going to see it happen again. This is going to be stupid. Why am I even trying this? Discouragement is number one. Number two, the Bible says that the, the Aaron said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and get golden earrings from everybody, and I want you to bring them to me. Distraction. Now they're looking for gold instead of looking for God. Now they're trying to find something to create God. So they went around and they started producing these little golden things all over the place. And then the third thing that happened is that once they produced the gold, they threw it in the fire and then they started to worship that thing and said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And they started to worship this thing. So the first one is discouragement. The second one is distraction. Instead of looking for God, they're looking for gold. And then the third one is disunity. Disunity, the third one they did. They went out and they grabbed this golden calf that came out of the fire and they began to worship and they separated themselves from God saying, this is our God. Can I tell you something? I always thought my entire ministerial life that the golden calf was this big thing that they did. I never, I, I don't even know how I didn't see this, but how much of a statue are you going to make with earrings? The golden calf was four inches by six inches. This was the size of the God that they said, this is what brought us out of Egypt. And we relegate God to some small stuff. And we will build stuff in God's name, systems, ideas, preferences. And they are so small in comparison to God. 
And it's crazy to think that the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands of people, probably couldn't even see that little miniature figure, but they all bowed to worship that miniature figure until Moses came down and stuff got crazy. Here's what happens. Remember, when you sow in the flesh and live in the flesh, you reap from the flesh. Here's what happens. Moses comes down from the mountain. And at that very moment, the Lord tells him, come down. I'm killing the people. Moses said, don't kill him, Lord. I, I promise. Let me talk to them. He goes down there. He gets mad. He throws the Ten Commandments down. And then he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to split the people. Whoever's with me, I want you to come with me. And whoever's with you, stay over there. Disunity, right? And that day, the Levites killed over 3,000 of their own brothers. 3,000 of them fell by the sword. And when the bloodshed was over, the entire nation fell under a plague. So the results of you living in a season or a lifetime of discouragement, distraction, and disunity is always going to produce death and plague in your life. I mean, it just is. The death to your dreams, the death to your relationship, the death to your goals, it's always going to happen or they're going to be plagued. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to be able to do enough. But can I tell you that that was under the order of the Old Testament. That was under the law where you had to earn your way to God. Jesus had the very same things happen to him. The Bible says that Jesus is beginning his ministry and he's baptized. And when he's baptized, he is led by the spirit into the wilderness and he is tempted of the devil for 40 days. When he's tempted for 40 days, the devil tells him, why don't you take that rock and turn it into bread? Quit your fast. Discouragement. Hey, Jesus, come up to this cliff. Yo, throw yourself down. The angels are going to hold you up. You're not even going to dash your foot on a stone. Distraction. Why am I going to throw myself? I'm supposed to be fasting and preparing, but you want me to throw myself? Why am I distracted? And then he pulls him up on a pinnacle of a, of a, of a temple and he says, hey, you see everything that's here? If you uh, if you'd bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. Why, why don't you worship me? And the Bible gives us three tools that Jesus didn't produce death out of it. He didn't produce any plagues out of it. That Jesus actually produced life. That if we capture these three things, I believe that not only greater church in the transition and where we're going as a church, but I believe in your own personal life. Every time you begin something and discouragement, distraction, and disunity happen, you can automatically do these things and you will find yourself back on track onto where God has you. Watch this. The Bible says, number one, the Bible says, I want you to turn that rock into bread. Discouragement, right? And Jesus turns around and says to him, no, Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, I want you to understand this. Here's what he was saying. What he was explaining to him was at that time, there was no electricity. They didn't have no microphones. For you to hear me, you have to be in proximity to me. The closer you are, the more clear you hear me. And the more clear you speak for me. So it has to be proximity that allows for you to hear the words of the Lord. So what does that mean? Thank you. Y'all make some noise for Jeremy. So what does that mean? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That means that your intimacy with God 
your intimacy, your closeness, the time that you spend with God, that's what's going to break the discouragement in your life. That when you start feeling discouragement, why am I feeling like this? Why am I depressed? Why am I feeling with anxiety? Why is this still happening to me? Man, I'm such a screw up. I messed it up again. That it's in those moments where you're drawing close to your problem. And what God is telling you is draw away from your problem and draw close to his mouth and allow for him to begin to whisper and to begin to tell you the things that he wants to do. But it has to be in proximity. So number one, it was in proximity. Number two, he says, yo throw yourself down that word throw yourself down it, to tempt the lord jesus turns to him and said you shall not tempt the lord your god that word tempt is ekpairazo and that word in greek it means to prove like to prove the opposite of proving something is to have faith in something so here it is that for us to be able to walk away from a season of distraction is to have faith in something or can i say another word that makes sense to you a little bit more for us to get focused yo we're so distracted with everything Bro, we have 14 different streaming services and we pay for half of them because the other ones we share passwords, we're bootlegging everything. We got Spotify, we got freaking Napster, some of y'all still on LimeWire, I don't judge you. I mean, we got all type of stuff. There's so much distraction. You're going to leave from church and for so many times, <clears throat> for so many years and probably so many Sundays, you probably forgot what we even talked about on Sundays by the time Sunday night happens because you're on your 14th episode. I mean, there's so much distract. This isn't a legalistic. Yo, I watch Netflix and all that. I don't watch Netflix. Jason told me to cancel the account. But no, I, I do watch it. I'm sorry. But, but yo, like, listen, we are so distracted with stuff when we got a mission at hand. Yo, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, but yo, the earth is not exactly in its best terms. There are rumors of war. There are plagues. There are earthquakes in various locations. Yo, I'm not telling you that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He might come back this afternoon. What I do know is that the time that I'm here, I'm going to spend it focused. I don't want to be one of the virgins that were unwise, distracted. I want to be ready when he comes back. So I got to be focused. So distraction is intimacy. And then discourage, I mean discouragement, intimacy, and then distraction. There has to be a time where you focus. And then he turns to him. And I want to read this because I want you to see that it's God saying. He turns to him, he takes him up on a big pinnacle and he turns to him and he says, I'm going to let you have all of this stuff here and it's authority. And man, I want to break down, but I ain't got no time. But I want to break down what that authority means because the devil possessed it, but Jesus took it back from him. But I want to show you something because he said, I want you to see all of this stuff that's there. If I could find it in my notes at some point here. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. This is what he said. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you give tithes to. And him only shall you go to church for. And him, him only shall you fast for. And him only shall you pray to. See, because Christians, we're good at the whole faith thing. That's easy. But the best way for you to break pride, arrogance, and disunity with God is through death. Yeah. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. 
See, that, that's bigger than just believing. Now he's telling you to actually do something. So here's what he's saying. I'm going to give you all this land. No, that, Satan, I'm not worshiping you. I'm serving God. So what that means in actuality is that you have to die to your nature. You have to die to yourself. I'm going to preach this message in, in, in just a few weeks, probably a month from now. But, and I want to share with you, and it's going to be super fast. But when we talk about the, the Moses, he told, God told him, build the tabernacle. And there's the outer courts dealing with the issue of blood. There's the inner courts dealing with the lampstand. This is more where the spiritual aspect of everything happened. And then the holy of holies. And the holiest of holies, that room was a 10 by 10 by 10 room. And for you to enter into that room, only one person could go inside of that room, right? So for you to go in that room, you had to be a priest. You had to have been consecrated. You couldn't walk in that room because you would die. Even the priests would have strings around their foot with bells because if they had sin in their life, they would die before the presence of God because in that 10 by 10 room there was the ark of the covenant which had the Aaron's the staff of Moses it had the manna and it had the 10 commandments in that ark of the covenant and then there was the mercy seat so only one person can go in there to, to, to be able to pray me and you can't go in that room I know I can't go in that room you can do it by yourself I'll drag you out by the little rope so this is what we quoted all through the pandemic Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 17. If my people who are five, seven, if my, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, pray and seek my face, then I will heal the land. Exodus chapter 33, Moses is done with the children of Israel. And everything has been appeased. You know, God is okay, he's straight. Okay, I'm gonna keep leading y'all. And then Moses goes back up to the mountain. Once Moses, he destroyed, he took that little, that little thing that was there and he broke it and he broke it into smithereens and then he threw it and he made all the Israelites drink it. That's super weird, but whatever. But then he goes, but then he goes back up to the mountain. When he goes back up to the mountain, he says, God, like I heard about you and I know you, but like I want to see your face. Like, can I see you? Because I, I'm, I'm tired of following something that I can't see. I just need to see your face. And this is what the Lord tells him in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. He says, no man can see my face for any man who sees my face cannot live but he said to them you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face but if I see your face I'm gonna die but you're telling me for me to be healed I gotta see your face because you have to die because you have to die to your nature. You have to die to your sin. You have to die to your flesh because the only way that you can get into the Holy of Holies is for you to die of yourself. And Ephesians chapter one says that we are reborn in Christ, that we are in him because the only person that can step into the Holy of Holies, the only person according to the order of Melchizedek, our high priest is Jesus. He's the only one that can walk in there. And if we are not taking up into his body, we are the body of Jesus Christ, then we're not going to be allowed to go in there. So we have to die to our preferences, our nature. The moment that you die to the God of you is the moment that you begin to really worship the God of creation. So you have to die. You have to die to your nature and to who you are to be able to serve the living God. And the best way for you to ever die to yourself is for you to serve somebody else. Yo, when you're struggling with pride, when you're struggling with arrogance, when you're struggling where you think you're too much or God has blessed you and you're like, yo, I don't want to get so full of myself. You know what's the easiest thing for you to do? Serve somebody else. Go to Dunkin' Donuts and buy the coffee of somebody behind you. Watch how that'll break you in a split second. When stuff is going real good in your life, just go to the food when you go eat and just pay for somebody's food across from the table and don't tell them who did it. 
And watch how that's going to break the pride in you. It makes you feel good because you die to yourself, but you come alive in Christ. And you start to understand the nature and the mind of Christ. And you start to experience this and you start to feel like Christ. I see everything that you've done and you're offering me. But say, and I'm only going to worship God and him only shall I serve. Discouragement, intimacy, distraction, focus, disunity, death, death to you. Can I give it to you in layman's terms? Can I give it to you in a way that you can understand? In a way that as a church that we're going to take over the next few weeks. I got three minutes to land this thing. I promise that I'm going to land in three minutes. Can I give it to you real quick? Discouragement. The antidote to it is intimacy. Can I give it to you this way? Prayer and fasting. I want you to write this down. August 7th through August 13th. As a church, I would ask for you to join us in seven days of fasting and praying as we transition into this new building. As we transition into this new church. Take the next week, prepare how you're going to be able to do it. If you're going to start fasting uh, uh, solid foods, if you're going to do Daniel fast, if you're going to fast your coffee, if you're going to fast your social media. I don't, we don't want to be legalistic in the way that you're fasting it. What I'm asking you is when you fast that thing in, in exchange for the thing that you're supposed to be doing, spend time close to the mouth of God. Spend time in the word of God. Spend time in prayer. So I'm not asking you to push the plate away. That's called the diet. I'm asking you to spend time with God. The fasting is whatever is, is, is messing you up and pushing you away from it. So I would ask for you to fast. Number two, distraction. I want us to get focused. I want you to get focused with your time. I'm going to talk about that in a second. I want you to get focused with your time. Get focused with the way that you do things. But then last Sunday, hopefully you were here and you watched the video. I, I want you to get focused with your finances. Because right now, we, we're, we're supporting so many different families um, from individuals um, who have way more money than you will ever have. And you're giving them your little $20 every single day. And you're offering to them. And McDonald's is taking every bit of your last bit of money. And you're blessing them. What would happen if we would become focused? And if we would actually take time to focus with our finances and build the kingdom of God? And here's what I'm asking. Over the next few days, really, we're going to actually be, and I'm going to talk to this on the inside, but we're actually, the building where we're at, man, we got to remodel so much stuff that's in there. There's pews in there. There's carpet that's been there since 1990, 1996. That place hasn't had an uh, 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 uplift. We want to paint. We want to pull pews out. We want to put our chairs down. We want to put carpet. We want to be able to install stuff. We finally just got, because of your generosity, brand new sound system where we had our night of worship. But man, we want to be able to do all of this stuff. And for us to do it, last week I talked about it. We're trying to raise $25,000. And that $25,000 is with Greater Church as well as them. Together we're going to come and we're going to get focused with our finances and we're going to give to this thing. Yo, not a dollar is coming for the pastors to go to lunch. These are chairs that you're buying. These chairs are expensive. This is carpet. I ain't know. And we got a blessing on the carpets. You have no idea how much of these things are expensive. There's locks in that place that has no security, no safety. But we want to be focused. If we're going to be focused, let's be focused and let's give of our time, talents, and our treasure. And then the last one is serve. The last one is serve, right? So for you to, for you to actually be able not to take the effects of the devil, 
but to be able to say, God, I'm going to pull away from the devil and only the Lord shall I serve, then we're going to serve. And here's what I'm asking you to be able to do. Over the next two weeks, Jesus, how much time we got? Two weeks? Oh my God. Over the next two weeks, we need you with a paintbrush in your hand. <laughs> we need you to help us rip up some carpet. <laughs> uh, man, I, I want to honor right now Evita. I want to honor Ricky. Could you stand to your feet, Ricky? Uh, do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Sunshine, stand to your feet. All my boys, Ramses and Levi, stand to your feet. Amanda, stand to your feet. Hey, um, these guys, my boys, y'all ain't got no choice, but I love y'all. Y'all did it in Jesus' name. I love you. Bendecido. Um, these individuals have been going to Fernando and stealing all of his tools and his ladders and stealing all of his stuff. And we've been going, they've been at the church every single day, Monday through Friday, pretty much, Monday, Thursday, from nine o'clock in the morning, sometimes eight o'clock in the morning, sometimes up to three in the afternoon. I just asked them to be there from 9 a.m. to 12. And at 12, I'm like, you guys can leave. They're like, no, we're good. And they keep on going. And these guys have been working their butts off. I want you to be able to partner with them. Because we want to, we got to paint some walls. Uh, Mimi, where you at? Mimi, Mimi right there. Mimi, stand up. You guys can have a seat. Mimi, last, yesterday was able to go out into the community. We've purchased 5,000 door hangers, flyers, and we're going to create street teams where we're going to go out to the community. We're going to pass out flyers and we're going to put door hangers to invite everybody to August 14th. You want to die to the God of you? serve somebody else get out on the streets when it's a hundred degrees out there and you sweating in places you didn't know you can sweat and watch how much that'll break the pride in you as you start to serve other people thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey if God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My Greater.